Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Ephesians. It starts at the end of chapter 2 in the book of Ephesians and then continues from the middle of chapter 3. Ephesians 2.22 and Ephesians 3.14-4.3 Hear the word of the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love hastening to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. I wanted to go back in the book of Ephesians because this text that we just read and really all of the book of Ephesians from chapter 1, verse 1, right up to chapter 4, verse 10 is an introduction to this text that we've been looking at starting last week, continuing this week, and continuing next week. Verse, chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. <clears throat> Last time, we uh, focused on this first part where God gave people to the church. The Lord Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. 
And we notice that each one of us has a role to fill. That what is happening in the church and what we would have read in chapter 2, we couldn't read the whole book of Ephesians, is that God assembled the church in the work of Christ, in the blood of his cross. God took the Jew and the Gentile and these two peoples and made one new people, the, the body of Christ, the church, and then together reconciled them to God through the work of his cross. You were not redeemed individually by yourself. Now you were converted that was an, an event unique to you. But when Christ died for us, he died for us. He made us an us and then reconciled the us to God through the blood of his cross. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 says. So he says at the end of chapter 2, in him you are being built together into a dwelling place. Not into dwelling places. You are being built together. Not each of you is being built into a dwelling place, many dwelling places, but together you are being built into a dwelling place. The body of Christ is one single temple of the Spirit of God. Now, each of our bodies is also described in other places in Scripture as temples of the Holy Spirit. But the emphasis here in Ephesians is our unity in one thing, one people, one temple, one body, one family. And so in that great prayer, which might be my favorite passage in the whole Bible, in Ephesians chapter 3, which we read, Paul prays for us to the Father from whom the whole family is named. We are the tribe of Abba. The one little word. We are the tribe of Abba. So I'm a member of the tribe of Abba. So I can come to God with anything, anytime. You have experienced all kinds of things in this past week. And you will experience all kinds of things in this coming week. Some of those things will be hard. Some of those things may be uh, the biggest joy you've had in life so far, I don't know. Many, many, maybe most of those things will be extremely mundane and perhaps boring. And all the while, you can rest 
in the finished work of Christ and address God as Father in Christ and by His Spirit. Because God has given you the Spirit that cries out, Abba. That's what the Spirit cries out. The function of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian is to fix our eyes on Christ and lead us to call on God as our provider. The Spirit is very Christ-centered, God-centered. He's not so much about me, except as to orient me to God in Christ. I got a little distracted by that, sorry. So last time, we noticed that each person, each child of God in the family of God has a place in the family of God. Have you noticed how this works in regular old families? I grew up in a family with five children. Each of us had, like, a place. You can't even describe that. It's not a job. My place in a family is not a job. Your place in the church is not a job. You're one of us, but you have a unique person, a unique character, a unique personality, a unique set of gifts, abilities, talents. You bring a, a, a personality that is yours and yours alone, and God has given that to the body. When I was a kid, we always had dinner at 6 o'clock every day together. You had to have a really good reason not to be there. And of course, when you're little kids, <laughs> you, uh, where else would you be? That was a time gathering around the table that communicated we belong here, and not just here, but to these people. Maybe you had a similar experience. Some of us had quite the opposite experience, where we didn't receive that unconditional acceptance that a family can provide and should. But here's something I've noticed about even the most dysfunctional families. You always belong. You will hear it like this. Well, he's a horrible person, but he's my father. So, I love him. Or he's my husband, or she's my wife. So, even though they're a horrible person, I love them. I'm connected to them. I, it's an it's a unbreakable kind of thing. But when a family gives real acceptance in a more or less unconditional way, that is empowering. Am I wrong? Next time, we're really going to focus on that. And I want you to think about the question for next week. What kind of person would you be if 
You grew up in a family that always gave you totally unconditional acceptance. Some people might say, well, <clears throat> if you grew up like that, you'd be a spoiled brat. I don't think so. Because unconditional acceptance doesn't put up with nonsense, but it's unconditional acceptance. Anyway, I got to stand back from preaching on that right this second, because we have some other stuff to cover that's in our text. You're here because you provide something to this body, and I believe this is not just in the body of Christ in the world, but in the body of Christ in a given place. God gives and takes away. People come, people depart. And God, it says in, the, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, places each one of us in the body as he chooses. You are not here by accident. And you are not here for no reason. There's something about you that belongs here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for following the leadership of the Holy Spirit to be here with us in this church. Because here you belong. You are a gift of God to the church. Now, don't start thinking too highly of yourself because you are a gift of God to the church. Because you are a jerk just like me and the rest of us. You are a sinner. You are not good at being the gift that you are. Some of us are kind of stingy with ourselves. Let me rephrase that. I'm kind of stingy with myself. I like to think I'm the giver of me. How about you? Do you think you're the giver of you? Do you think you're the one that volunteers to do this or that or shows up and smiles at various times when people need to see that? You're not the giver. God is the giver. And by the way, as I said, your, your place, your special thing, the reason you're here is not a job. And I want to say, in the church, in the evangelical church, which we might be a part of, which is very influenced by American culture, we think of my place in church as a job. I'm supposed to find some task to do and get on it. But really, <laughs> there are tasks to do, so don't get me wrong about that. But really, it's more comprehensive than that. It's you. It's you that we need. And you being you 
Now, the Lord doesn't leave us like we are. We are to called to grow, develop, change. Things happen. That's what we're talking about, growing up in the family of God. But here's something I noticed. When I was a kid, I have a little brother. And my little brother, when we got together for dinner every night at 6 o'clock, he had a special place in the family, which we all eventually recognized, and then we'd make fun of him about it. Because, you know, we're brothers. He was, uh, always, he, he was always the last one to finish eating. I mean always. The rest of us would be like, uh, come on. Uh, we didn't watch TV, but we had something to do. But uh, hurry up. Why was he the last one? I'll bet you can guess. He spent a lot of time, he should have been eating, using his mouth for something else. He's a talker. He's a talker. Which is good for someone like me. Because if someone else does the talking, I can just sit there and eat. Which is what I'm there to do. So I needed a little brother who would, you know, entertain the rest of us while we ate dinner. There's something like that. He did, nobody told him, hey, you do the talking so the rest of us can eat. Because, you know, that's what we need. Nobody told him that. It's not a job. It's just who he is. And your place in the church is just who you are. You are the thing we need, not just the stuff you do. Now, we also had uh, chores around the house when we were little kids. My parents loved, I mean loved checklists. My father was a pilot. You know how pilots are? They have a checklist. We had checklists on checklists. We had a checklist that said, did you check that checklist? I'm just kidding. We didn't have that. But we had checklists like to do our daily chores. And when we, when we went traveling, we, we uh, on vacation, like moving from one place to the next, we, we drove in a car pulling a little trailer that we all slept in, you know? Sometime, in England, they call these caravans. And every day, you had to unhook it, and every day, you had to hook it back up and tow it away. And, every, and so my father created a checklist. Every day, we went through the checklist, checklist, checklist. We had tasks to do. Each one had a different task. The tasks were assigned based on something my parents thought about what we could do, based on maybe our age, based on who could lead and who needed to follow. So there's work to do. There's checklists to be handed out in the body of Christ. But... I'm not a member of my family because I cover this part of the checklist. 
am I? No, I'm a member of my family by birth or by adoption. Hey, here's something interesting about the family of God. Do you know that you are a member of the family of God by both birth and adoption? You have been born again by the Holy Spirit to faith in Jesus Christ. You are the natural child of God. So you belong here. And it's not because of what you do. We have a very strong tendency in the body of Christ today to focus on, well, what, what are we going to get done? Man, we need to get some things done. Hurry up, hurry up. What's your gift? Oh, you have that gift? You, oh, do this. We are just bossing each other around all the time. You know, I have a big sister. Hi, Kathy. I have a big sister. Bossy. For a long time, I thought I had two moms. Now, I'm not telling you anything she doesn't know, and she doesn't boss me around anymore, at least nowhere near like she used to. Plus, I'm a long ways off, so it's much harder. That's how we behave. And by the way, any one of us could boss any one of us on any given day. That's how kids act, isn't it? But that's something we should get over. You're not here because you do the, this, that, or the other thing, because you fill this part of the checklist, because you have a certain gift, talent, or job to do. All of those things are true, but you belong here because you are you, and you are born into the family of God, and it's your whole thing. Some of the things we do for one another are almost invisible like we just greeted one another. We shook hands, we smiled, we said hello. We expressed the love of Christ. And none of us was doing a job. You're here because of the, the love of Christ shows on you. That's what we need. We need the love of Christ showing on you however it does that. <clears throat> does it on you in a way that's different from the way it does it on me? And this is good for all of us. The love of Christ shows on you in a unique way. Just show up and let it show. And then our service becomes joyful service. I don't do a job because it needs doing. I do it because I love doing it. Some of us love doing things that need doing. Here's the thing about effective families. You know, I did some research about effective families, and one of the things I found out is effective families recognize and appreciate what each family member brings. Effective families recognize and appreciate what each family member brings. Don't be embarrassed to be who you are. 
Now, who you are needs to grow. You're not done being made who you are. But you're here. We accept each other. We love each other with the love of Christ because we have been loved that way. And so this text goes on from that. He gave some this, 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 and this to equip saints for this, for the building up of the body. That's the point here, the building up of the body. It's about us becoming a certain kind of family. Until we all attain to the unity. Now that should take me back to chapter 2. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place. And to uh, chapter 3, verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And to the beginning of chapter 4, hastening to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See, the whole book of Ephesians is about this. And he's saying, look, each of you has been given to the church to contribute so that we all grow into one. But here's the strange thing about the unity, the biblical unity. You know, I went in New York City a long time ago. I went into this place called the Hard Rock Cafe. Did you ever go to the Hard Rock Cafe? The one in New York City, that's like the original Hard Rock Cafe. And I went in there and immediately felt weird. Because the Hard Rock Cafe is like one of the most worldly possible places. And honestly, I think the spirit in me was a little weirded out by this place. But on the wall, in giant gold letters, is this expression, all is one. Now, if you know anything about you know, the history of music or the history of the Hard Rock Cafe in particular, you know that has a particular meaning. It's a sort of a New Age uh, Hinduism or Buddhism, some kind of Eastern mystical thing where the claim is literally all is one. And that what's going on in the universe is all is being one. And the goal of a person is to become one with all. Which is kind of appealing until you realize that becoming one with all is becoming nothing. In fact, the way you become one with all is you work at becoming nothing. Biblical unity is nothing like that. You see, biblical unity is grounded in the unity of the triune. There's a weird word. Triune. Three, one. 
the biblical unity is based on the unity of the triune God in which there are three eternal persons. There have always been three. <laughs> and yet, there's only, so there's only one God, but there's three persons. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. But the three persons of the Trinity are one God. One being. Three persons. We can't really get our heads on this. It's over our heads. But that sort of unity is what is reflected, say, in marriage. Where the two become one. The two become one. But there's still two. There's still a husband. There's still a wife. There's one. But not in such a way that the identities of the persons involved are lost. And so our, Jesus prayed in that prayer we led, read last Sunday in John chapter 17 that they may be one even as we are one. Well, the Father and the Son, God the Father and God the Son are one in a particular way and they are in, one in a way that doesn't mean that there's no Father and there's no Son. And so when we are made one in Christ, it does not wipe me out. <clears throat> and so in the family of God, our individual personhood is honored, respected, needed, and yet we come together as one. And so he says that, that we are put together, each one given to the rest of us into this family. It's only one family. We come together into this one family and each one does what it does and we enjoy one another and we grow until we all attain to the unity. The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. You see, our unity is grounded in our shared experience of His love. Unconditional acceptance. Now when I say that, I want to stop and say, you know, it's not entirely unconditional. It has a condition. The condition is the sacrifice of Jesus. So no conditions are applied to me or to you. And we are adopted and born again into this family based on what he did, not on what I do. What I do has nothing to do with it whatsoever. Unconditional acceptance from God Almighty. Now, I was born into a family as a, you know, grew up in a family, with brothers and sisters. I think we had pretty good unconditional acceptance in our family from our parents. And, you know, when the chips were down, as they say, we had each other's backs. Sorry, that was full of idioms. 
if you came after my little brother, you had a problem with me. But I went after my little brother all the time. We're not always good at communicating this unconditional acceptance. I would put conditions on my acceptance of my brother or my sister or my other brother or my other sister all the time. If you don't do what makes me happy, I'm going to dad. Well, mom usually, but you know, I'm going to bring the wrath on you. We behave this way in the church, don't we? But here's the thing, that is childish. That is not childlike. That's childish. It's immature behavior. And if I've received this unconditional acceptance from the Father, I have it to share with you. And so I say to you, you belong to me. I love you with the love of the Lord. It's grounded in the shared experience of His love. And when you look around the room and you think, well, this person I don't really get along with that well because they're like this or that or blah, blah, blah. Here in this church, it might be because they're from that culture and I'm from this culture. Really? That's what I want to say to you about that. Really? Are you going to be that guy that the king dragged in because he owed him $10,000? And the king said, look, pay me my $10,000 and I'm throwing you in prison. And the guy whined and whined and begged and begged and said, please don't throw me in prison. The king finally said, all right, I'm not throwing you into prison. I'll just forgive it. I, I want this out of my head. I'm just forgiving you the debt. And then that guy went out and he found somebody that owed him, you know, a dollar. And he grabbed the guy by the scruff of the neck, as they say, and he was shaking him and said, give me the money I owe or I'm having you thrown in prison. Don't be that guy. Don't hold out the love of God over some stupid thing. And compared to the love of God, everything is stupid. Whatever little gripe you have, how is it not washed away if you think about what kind of gripe God might have with you that He has just let go of because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? His love overwhelms. It should blow us all down. Level us completely. Our unity is grounded in the shared experience of His love. And it says here, the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, we trust Him as we know Him. As we know Him, we trust Him. This is starting to hint at the question, what would you be like if you grew up in a family of unconditional acceptance? 
Because you know what's going on right here in this room right now is all of us are growing up in a family of unconditional acceptance. What is it turning us into? As we know Him, we trust Him. It's like Paul in Romans when he says, if, if God, the Father, freely gave His only Son for us, how would He not also, along with Him, freely give us all things? I mean, if, if God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, isn't such a God utterly trustworthy on everything else? So that even when I experience various trials, I trust Him. I know He's working it. I know it's going to be good when He gets finished. And if I could see what He was doing, I might even ask for more trouble. We grow into unity. It's grounded in the experience of His love as we come to know Him. We come to trust Him. And this then will be expressed in natural, joyful service in the church. And remember, that's not a job. It has jobs, but it's not a job. Natural, joyful service. In our unity, we grow into the fullness of Christ, this text says. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. Not to a bunch of mature men, to a mature man. Just like it said, we're growing into a dwelling place, not into individual dwelling places. Now we're growing into one new man. The body of Christ. We become the body of Christ, the true expression of His identity in the world. A family. A family. This is restoring what was lost in the fall of Adam and Eve. You see, when God made Adam and Eve, He made one family right? One family. And that man and that woman were to love one another, to uh, bear children, to multiply and fill the earth with the image of God, and so to glorify God in the family of humanity, one family. Then Adam and Eve sinned. And we all became disconnected. Adam and Eve, right away, right away, what do they do? They hurry up and get dressed because suddenly they're ashamed of themselves. Because suddenly I know I can't trust her, so she better not trust me. And suddenly there was alienation in the world, and alienation from God led to alienation from each other. And now we are a bunch of individuals making my own statement, be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. 
And what is going on in the unification of the church, the body of Christ, is God restoring the family of God that will, in the ages to come, be that family in the garden. One family. That's what's happening here. That's what's happening here, right now. In our unity, we grow into the fullness of Christ. We become the body of Christ, the true expression of His identity in the world, a family, back to the garden. Now, the question is, so, what about us here right now? This is like a vision of what God's doing that's, you know, already and not yet. I just want you to reflect on how this might change how we behave in the church, how we operate in the church, how we deal with one another, and how we deal with us together as a community of people. You see, one of my central convictions in this whole thing about talking about the family of God is for us to notice that the church is a family and not a business. The church is a family, not a school, not an office, not a factory. And so we deal with each other as brothers and sisters, because that is in fact what we are. And you are not here because you, uh, you know, we hired you to get some job done. No. You're here to be who you are. And so I believe that Christ has in mind for the body of Christ a spirit of joyful service. When the Bible talks about cheerful giving, I want us to take that seriously. You have no obligation whatsoever to give money to this church. Because all obligations are covered by the blood of Christ. And so I say to you, give if that's what you want. If you have a joyful expression of love, give. People get nervous when I talk like this because they think we're all going to go broke. Well, God's the Father. You think He can't manage this? And that's just that idea of giving, cheerful giving, extends to every form of giving. Every form of giving. When you go to do a work of service here in the community of this church, I don't want you to do it because it needs doing. Nothing needs doing that badly. I want you to do it because it's the best way you can think of to spend your time and effort. I should tell you, look, we need this, 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 and this. Some people are waiting around for me to say, hey, could you do this? I don't even know what it is and who those people are, but, uh, you know, this, this, this. Like this is some sort of business organization that I'm the boss of. No, we're brothers. 
If you see something you'd like to do, do it. Some things, you might need the permission of the elders. Okay, ask. Sometimes the elders might say, hey, here's a job and that guy looks like he'd be good at it. And so we'll ask you. We're brothers. So this becomes very practical. It's a, it's a matter of joyful service. All of that is secondary to the magnificent theology of the family of God in this text. That you are given to the body of Christ by God. You matter here. I don't care if you don't matter anywhere else. You see, all of us grew up in a family and all of those families had their dysfunctions. And some of them were really horrible. But you here have a new family. The family of God. And God's wisdom is perfect. And His love is pure. And He knows you from beginning to end. He knows all of everything, every complexity, every detail. And He knows where this molecule is right now and He might have a name for it. And so we are in that family of unconditional acceptance. That's where we're growing up now. Wherever we grew up before, now we're growing up here. And this is going to transform your life. So Paul prays that the Spirit would move in us with power to know the love of Christ. Father, we give You thanks. Thank You that You've called us into this new family. Lord, I pray that we would experience that power, that empowering acceptance that You have given to us in Christ. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For this, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Next time, we're going to deal directly with this question. What kind of person would you be if you grew up in a family that always gave you totally unconditional acceptance? <laughs>